0: We've got a great show today. We're very excited. We have our friend Richard Wu on to talk about multiculturalism uh, and how race features into our lives, how it features into the church, and how we need to think about that, both as white culture and as other cultures as well. And so we'll have a fun interaction with him. And of course, we have our regular, much lighter topics, the good, the true, and the beautiful, which I think both of us are still trying to come up with choices. Do you have yours yet?
1: No, I forgot that we do that segment.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, the random guest, and who knows, maybe a new segment. Actually, not a new segment. I just, I've just been thinking about adding a new segment, but that's not <laughs> happening today. This is the first time I've heard of this. From the Regent College Atrium in Vancouver, BC. This is hashtag Atrium. This is the Hodgepodge, that segment of hashtag Atrium where we basically do whatever we want and give it the name the Hodgepodge in order that we can do whatever we want. Uh, but today. It's
1: anarchy over here.
0: <laughs> it's never anarchy when I'm involved, but James is just giving it his little touch of derailing influence.
1: The apes have taken over the world.
0: <laughs> well, not quite, because today we have with us our good friend and. Hashtag Atrium Listener. What's more, Richard Wu. Richard is a current student at Regent. Uh, Before Regent, he was involved in youth and worship ministry in Hong Kong. And so we're having him on, uh, and he'll explain a little bit more of his background. But we're having him on because we wanted to have a conversation about race uh, and culture, and how, particularly as Christians and as the church in North America, is what we'll be primarily talking about. I think today Um, we need to process those questions and what what in fact the questions are that we need to be thinking through Mm -hmm. richard welcome to hashtag atrium
2: thank you it is a pleasure i'd love for us to get
0: started here by you just sharing obviously we've asked you on for a reason because you've thought about some of these questions before but Mm -hmm. also just your experience has interacted with Mm -hmm. a number of different cultures could you just share maybe a short synopsis of where you've been Uh, The things that have influenced you and thinking through some of the questions that we're going to be talking about later I
2: think that would be helpful. Sure Thanks, Matt. Mm -hmm. That's a uh, quite a list of questions you have for me. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. It's a little bit intimidating I grew up in Hong Kong Uh, Oh, I should say I was born in New York. I lived there for two years and then I moved to Hong Kong when I was yeah when I was two years old grew up in Hong Kong Um, My mom is Chinese Filipino, so of Chinese descent, but grew up in the Philippines. My dad is from Hong Kong, grew up in Hong Kong. And when I was 18, I moved to the U.S. Uh, I lived in Chicago, uh, in a suburb of Chicago, in a school called Wheaton for four years. And it was during that time, I think, that I first that I first got to hang out with, say, Asian-Americans, African-Americans, Latino-Americans. And I must say that I learned a lot during that time, and that time shaped, um, shaped my understanding of culture very, very deeply. I think in Hong Kong, I had grown up, and it was a very very much a... I was in international English-speaking schools, and everyone <laughs> kind of got along, and uh, we sort of thought ourselves as pretty much a mini UN or a mini world that was just functioning culturally together and when I got to the US I didn't understand at all why things weren't that way um, and I just assumed wow the US is so behind on this but over time I really got to, to spending time in um, with some of my Asian American friends and African American friends I discovered that the world was completely different and that my understanding of culture was quite limited based on what I had grown up in Hong Kong. Uh, I feel like I know just enough to make a fool of myself (laughs) and a little more than some other people. So I feel a little precarious talking about this.
0: Yeah, we should say that we're having you on not necessarily as an expert on all these questions, but just as someone who we know has thought about these and we thought would be interesting to have on and have a conversation uh, with you about it. To ease us into the conversation, we've talked a little bit in the past about uh, and this might be relevant also to what you were sharing about your experience in Hong Kong yeah. some of the differences between the American situation and the Canadian situation when it yeah. comes to how we think and even what kinds of questions we're asking yeah. uh, when, I'd love for you to share sort of out of your experience the insights that you have about how those different cultures actually approach this idea of culture
2: yeah, okay so I've only been here for two and a half years now I came here partly because I knew that the cultural dynamics here would mirror Hong Kong's mm-hmm. quite a bit, and I have a I plan to go back to Hong Kong after my studies. Um, but Canada, in a lot of ways, feels just like Hong Kong in that you it's very multicultural. You have a lot of people from a lot of places. Um, it feels like people haven't been here necessarily, you know, for ten generations or so. It feels. Like people are connected, more connected to their hometowns. Um, yeah, the discussion on, on culture, I feel, is very much one of oh, how can we all get along? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of the main, that's kind of how um, the discussion on culture is framed here. I think sometimes you hear, it's a variation on that question how can we all get along? And sometimes you get complaints like, oh, I can't believe we can't all get along. Um, and I think that's the main question here. If you go down to the U.S., then you do have that same question, why can't we all get along? Um, but I feel like the discussion on culture and race is more than just a lateral discussion. I'm moving my hands on the lateral directions right now, so you can't see. Sorry, in Canada, it's more of a lateral discussion where different cultures are presumed to be entirely equal and on an equal playing field talking to each other and trying to get along and in the U.S. it seems to me that there's more of a very open admission that there are vertical dimensions to cultural relationships too and by vertical I'm referring to power dynamics and and I feel like in Canada it's hard to have that discussion about culture harder to have that discussion about culture Uh, easier to have a lateral discussion and in the U.S., there's a precedent for talking about the hmm. vertical axis, axis of uh, cultural relationships, relationships between people of different cultures.
0: It's just to be clear, you wouldn't say that the vertical or the power dynamics are absent no, in Canada?
2: I, no, I wouldn't say that they're absent, no. But
0: that they're just maybe more absent from the discussion?
2: Yeah, more absent from the discussion. I would say that uh, <laughs> living in the U.S. was not easy because... Because the presence of race felt so much more heavy and so much... It just felt much more present in every interaction that I was engaged in. And in Hong Kong, I couldn't feel that presence as much. And that's partly because I'm Chinese and part of basically a, uh, the major and most dominant group. But in the U.S., I could feel that presence very heavily. And in Canada, I feel like those dynamics are, are present, but they don't feel as heavy to me Again, speaking as a Chinese male who is not exactly at the bottom of the rung in terms of cultural power. Sure. Um, and there are some people I know who would feel that much more intensely uh, depending on their background.
0: I do want to move us on with that kind of in the background. I'm interested in how we understand the presence of different races in the church. And when I say in the church, I don't mean... Sort of how we understand the church universal, I think we can come to a pretty quick theological understanding that incorporates all different nations, all different races. Uh, But that can become quite, that can become a tool, in fact, to marginalize people when it comes to our local congregations. Mm -hmm. Um, So, from my own experience in North America, I found uh, my church now has an increasingly uh, Chinese population, Mm -hmm. but particularly my experience in the United States has been predominantly white uh, Mm. churches uh, for the most part Uh, so I'd just be curious on your thoughts do you see that as problematic or is that just kind of the way things are what do you think Richard?
1: Mm.
2: so it's not ideal Um, but I think one thing that does happen is people will say and again speaking as a Chinese person Chinese people say this and I hear white folks say this a lot too oh this isn't ideal why can't we all worship together we should be together Mm -hmm. under the same roof and Chinese people, for white people, I think it will often come out as, oh, too bad, we're all separate, we should be together. For Chinese people who have, who are maybe coming out of a Chinese church um, in Vancouver or in North America, they will say, oh, why have we segregated ourselves from other churches? Why do we even have a Chinese church? Why is the name Chinese in our um, in our name? Because... As the church, we should be a multicultural body. So why don't we meld back into, you know, the larger church as a whole? And that's kind of the level of discussion that I think that you have around this question. Oh, too bad it's happening. We should meld back into the whole on both sides of the spectrum. So when I was in the U.S., I was in a church that was um, it was a mixed church. It was maybe sixty mm. percent black and maybe maybe 65% black, 35% white. It was in downtown Chicago. And uh, I was, um, how do I say this? A little bit out of place. (laughs) (laughs) They would have these things called fudge sundays, where you had, I think fudge sundays is what they called it, where you would discuss race and you'd have basically the black folk leave to one side and the white folk leave to another side and they would discuss something. They'd come back together after discussing these things and, and chat. They were serious about what they were doing. And this is in like downtown racially divided Chicago and so I mentioned my church in Chicago because what happened was you had white people um, coming under the leadership of a minority group um, of black people and I think that's how the church came together mm. um, and you had equal leadership as well, but there was no question that there was sort of an equal submission going on yeah. of instead of just saying, oh, we should dissolve our unique ethnic-specific groups, there was a conscious decision to come under the leadership of groups who, are, who have less power in society mm. um, and to not come there to fix it or to, let's be multicultural, but to, um, but to humbly come under the leadership of people who, uh, who you would not typically see you know, manning the stage of your typical white congregation.
0: Yeah, the actual, I mean, here you're talking about the actual giving up of power, right, am, when we're yeah. thinking about the vertical power dynamics. Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Which is, which I think is quite a powerful call and is in line in many ways with the call of Christ himself uh, yeah. to us, but is equally challenging when this, as a white male, I mean, this is, for most of us, just the culture you swim in, yeah, um, yeah. and you almost don't, I think, even realize you ought to be swimming in any other direction. Yeah. Uh, it's true. And so, I mean, it's quite challenging in that respect yeah. for for those of us who haven't thought about this in any sort of depth before. Yeah.
2: Now, if you only have that horizontal understanding of culture, which I mentioned, I'm again moving my hands in sort of a breaststroke kind of fashion. It's, it's a beautiful it's movement. It's charming. <laughs> uh, if you only have that horizontal understanding of culture then when you address this question what should we do as churches we should be all together the fundamental question again is why don't we all get along you know and so people say well we should all get along let's um have one night of worship together with all the churches in vancouver or something and oh look at this wonderful mosaic um and what you have there is people gathering together um without an awareness of some of the vertical dynamics of culture. And if you, ha- if you were aware of those vertical dynamics of power relationships between cultures, then your idea of unity might not just look like a beautiful aesthetic uh, mm. mosaic. It wouldn't be just an aesthetic beauty, but it would be one um, which, for lack of a better word, more seriously the concept of shalom, Mm. of of peace and harmony, but not just peace and harmony, but also justice as well, of of an equalizing and of a sharing um, of power for the wholeness and for the flourishing of every single group, um, rather than a dissolving of one into the other so that you have a beautiful aesthetic mosaic.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is very different than a white megachurch or predominantly white megachurch looking at their their pastoral staff and saying we need to bring on an African American or we need to bring right, on an right. Asian American in order to have a diverse yeah. staff, right? Yeah, you're actually talking about uh, sort of at its very foundational point, yeah, recognizing these issues and actually submitting as the dominant culture in some yeah. ways uh, to other significant groups.
2: Yeah.
0: Also, I think the challenge you're giving is a little. A little stronger than simply being hospitable, yeah. Uh, as we've been talking through this conversation, it's not quite the right word. Um, of course, with that, then we recognize the many challenges, and even particularly in the U.S. setting, uh, as a U.S. as an American myself, mm. I can talk to that more than I can talk to the Canadian situation. But just as geographically we become more and more segregated, yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily even an inappropriate word. Uh, to use for what's happening in the U.S. Um, Just the realities of a local church uh, become racially defined, uh, almost inevitably based on your neighborhood. And there's just systemic issues uh, that then, uh, as the church, if we're going to fight against those, it's going to take a renewed and a greater level of intentionality than merely saying, I'm going to go to this church down the street Mm -hmm. here versus this church down the street. It may actually be decisions to go to drive X number of miles Uh, to make decisions like that which of course brings its own challenges.
2: Yeah, If I had a challenge I think to Canadian churches it would be to try, it would be to ask if they have a category for um, for Canadians of who are not white um, and who have grown up in Canada and for whom this is their land I feel like especially in the Christian community people have a space for me and they as a as someone who is genuinely who is genuinely foreign and there's hospitality shown to me but I guess I w- I would want to ask if for if there can be a category <laughs> for my brothers and sisters who say who maybe look like me but who are actually from Canada who grew up here for whom this is their land um I would hope that for them, that their voices could be heard more prominently, um, that maybe I would see more of them as pastors in predominantly white churches, um, or that, there would be, that Canadians would be able to think more about what contributions they have to Canadian society, um, rather that extend past beyond the language of hospitality, and that go into the language of um, not even empowerment because that implies some things as well but just the language of equality.
0: We'll end on that note, on the note of challenge from Richard and thank you very much Richard for sitting down with us and having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I trust for our listeners it was as edifying as it was for myself and uh, both encouraging uh, and a a poignant reminder of the work and the discussions that still need to happen Mm. as of course those kinds of conversations open up a box of other questions as well Mm. but for now we'll leave it there and thank you very much for joining us today on hashtag atrium
2: thank you so much cheers
1: the segment.
0: I would love to introduce the segment. This is the good, the true and the beautiful, that most pretentious of segments where James and myself and hold on, not just James and myself today.
1: But, but also, dang.
0: you just heard, you just heard her phone go off.
1: They might not have.
0: Maybe not. But also we have Richard Wu sitting in with us for this segment.
1: Her phone go off. Right, sorry, what? that's confusing.
0: Yes. <laughs> sorry, I was actually talking about Abigail Harmon's phone when I mentioned that she's right. here with us, and we also have Caroline Crawford, award-winning writer. She's and already hashtag shopping. Atrium special correspondent. She's already on Facebook on her computer. It took she's, about two seconds. Of she's us already
1: talking. on JJ Bean.
0: So we're gonna go around and actually do kind of a, a basically quickfire <laughs> version today. J Crew. J. J. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> oh Bean. <my God.
2: laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, on that note, James, go ahead Lead off
1: Caroline is shopping for her nice homey family flannel Or whatever they sell on JJ Bean So last time Well, this is, this is where it gets weird though Because <clears throat> we're recording a Christmas special next week Yes But it will have already aired by the time this episode is released That's a
0: special one-off Yeah, DTV. so we don't, we're don't.
1: we not transitioning from the Christmas Good, True, Beautiful We're transitioning from the November So my last choice was Fog. October Fog October Fog and the transition from that is this. So we're going from the fog to London fog. Nice. Which, which is a drink. Is that it? No. Is it a direct link? It's not It's oh. not It's not the London I was fog. Really no, we've excited got steps we We've link. got steps again. So Carry the London on. fog is something uh, Matt, have you had a London fog before? Mm, no. no. Do you know the ingredients in a London fog? Uh, there's some tea in there. There's some milk Carol- in there. Caroline?
3: Caroline does. It's a tea latte, basically.
1: Uh, so it's fog. actually something food-related and something that uses a lot of dairy, as a London Fog does. Nice. Um, so another dairy-related uh, ingredient is yogurt, and yogurt is something used a lot in Indian cuisine, and it's actually Indian cooking. It's going to be my good, true, beautiful. <laughs> I love how this is Abigail's first experience of this sort of transition. <laughs> this Indian journey. cooking. Indian cuisine, because we're also going with um, multiculturalism, and oh, it's nice. actually Great it's not there. going out... To have food at Indian restaurants, it's it's actually learning to cook foods on your like home cooking foods. I think it's good to learn to cook a variety of different kinds of foods. The thing I discovered about Indian <laughs> cooking was that with Indian cooking, it's really about the spices, right? Like it's about having cumin and and coriander and garam masala, the mix, and all of this. Yeah. And what you have are these the spouse, spice mixes and all you really need is a basic meat or lentil or chickpeas or whatever and you can make a huge variety of curries with just and that it so yummy. and it's so delicious just rice some spices and you have to invest in the spices up front but i think it's actually a great style of cooking to learn that was
0: great let's move really on to richard Wu. richard what's your good true beautiful
2: my good true and beautiful is a band I know that's a huge surprise, not like anyone's mentioned any bands on this show before or this segment, but um, I figured since I'm on the show, since I'm from Hong Kong, I would share a band from Hong Kong. It's called Knots and X's. That's N-O-U-G-H-T-S and E-X-E-S. Very, very difficult. Um, They're an independent band from Hong Kong. They... I know the band Leader has come out of uh, a good church in Hong Kong that's extremely creative, and they've been producing really good music in Hong Kong that has been, um, I would dare say, they're one of the more prominent independent bands in Hong Kong. If you go on YouTube, you can look up a song by them, Knots and X's. I think it's called Hearts, and they have a, what's that called when you get a bunch of people like appearing in the same place? Flash Mob. They have a Flash Mob. Um from one of Hong Kong's busiest spots and I highly recommend uh, their album which is also called Knots and X's." I like them because they deal with big questions, especially questions of doubt and faith Um, and that's not something you often get in Hong Kong Christian circles necessarily and they're good at that they articulate that really well, really beautifully
1: Do you want to tackle the challenge of describing what kind of music they play?
2: It's independent (laughs) um i will say it's something that you might find played here on the radio as well there's glockenspiels and stuff yeah it's good
4: hi i'm abigail Harmon. um my good true and beautiful is i don't know if you guys heard but flannery o'connor just um they found yeah they found recent um recently her prayer journals And so they just published Flannery O'Connor, a prayer journal. And apparently she was such a bad speller that they had a really hard time actually typing it out for publication. She called herself an innocent speller, which I think is really cute. And it's really cool that she also wasn't very good at spelling things and yet wrote incredible stories. So there's hope there. But also it's good and true and beautiful. I have read the first page. (laughs) (laughs) but the cover is gorgeous so that's one of many parts of beauty I'm sure that's in there so Flannery O'Connor prayer journal I think is good and true and beautiful and I would recommend it
3: Uh, my name is Caroline Crawford
4: award-winning author
3: I went to the SPCA thrift shop and I found a vintage leotard which I was convinced at the time if I wore it had a a skirt on it and i was convinced that i could put pants over the bottom and wear it as a peplum top
1: what kind of top
3: a peplum top p-e-p-l-u-m
0: what is that peplum
3: need some help it's almost like a tiny skirt on uh, sort of on the bottom part of a top that flares out it hits right at the waist it hits right at the waist yeah right very yes.
1: So this isn't actually this Leotard didn't turn out to be a peplum top though. So your good, true, and beautiful not is something that but turned I out think, not to be.
3: I think I could wear it very convincingly as a peplum top. Especially since people don't know what it is.
0: So the Leotard is good, true and beautiful?
3: Yeah, I would say so.
0: Oh, that was that was a great good, true and beautiful, Carolyn. Thanks really uh that's why we have you as a hashtag atrium special correspondent my good true and beautiful this week is oh i'm hyper aware that as you listen to this i'm in california which means i'm just outside sacramento which means that i'm probably driving just about anywhere to go anywhere and so my good true and beautiful as i think about my daily life here in vancouver is public transit done well it's amazing i wish i could never go back but it looks like i have to I love my 49. I'm rather emotionally attached to it. I have my favorite spots. I like to see the bald eagles every time I come into school from the bus. Uh, I'm just really going to miss public transit, and I think it's good, true, and beautiful.
1: Do you have a favorite bus driver?
0: Oh, I had a woman today. So woman bus drivers don't happen all the time, but she was really booking it. Like She, she had places to be for some reason, we and we were flying. It wasn't dangerous, but she was going quite fast. But if I'd been in a car and someone would have been driving, I would have felt quite scared. But that's because I'm generally scared in cars.
1: So if you're I'm in the front seat, you're more of a bus guy than a car guy.
0: If, if I'm not driving, yes, absolutely. All right, this has been The Good, True, and The Beautiful. Up next, The Random Guest.
2: Look in your eyes. If this is love, I don't want it. If this is love. I don't need it. If this is love, I don't understand it. If this is love, you can have it.
0: Gold rings, but sing songs from days. This is The Random Guest. We are so excited because some of you have been clamoring and muttering and murmuring about a certain lost episode that exists on hashtag Atrium or doesn't exist, maybe I better say. And that, of course, featured Caroline Crawford award winning author and her story, which we actually did run in episode two, uh, back when we didn't have seasons. The real episode two.
1: It was season one, episode two.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, but we didn't say that. But the sad fact was that we had a random guest on that lost episode who had never made an appearance on hashtag Atrium, and that man is, of course, the one, the only, Josh Cunningham. Josh, welcome back, and welcome, really, for the first time for reals, to hashtag Atrium.
1: Oh wow, it's such a pleasure. Thank hey. you. So, what's changed since the last time you were here?
5: We're on the different side of the same table, so that's kind of changed. And
0: oh, we were facing the other direction.
5: Yeah, we were facing this wall, and Mr. Matt Timms has gotten an amazing makeover.
0: That's true. We've talked about that recently, in fact. Josh, last time I had you tell us, last time, I'm going to keep referring to last time, even though no one else has heard last time. I had you tell us some of the many jobs you've done. Would you list those once more for us? Oh, gosh. Should I include recent jobs as well? Oh, I would love that. Okay. I would love nothing more. So I
5: was, uh,. Measurer for a bridal store, like for tuxedos, for men to get their suits tailored. Oh, nice. I sold wedding dresses, prom dresses. I was a carpenter, a painter, a sheet rocker, a chef, photographer, gardener, slash landscaping. It's about the fanciest spin on it. Uh, recently, an audiovisual technician, an extra in a movie, and a sound, sound man for a movie.
0: Let's get to this week's question. Or this episode's question Which is this We've been talking about uh, race and culture Today, earlier (laughs)
1: Welcome to this podcast Welcome to this discussion No, but we're going to
0: take a very different approach Because one of the things that comes up in those discussions Obviously is color And so my question is If you could see the world In various shades of only one color What color would it be? And why?
5: Oh my gosh. This is quite a interesting question.
0: They're interesting every week, I promise.
5: For the color of the world, uh, you can't have absence of colors. You can't choose white. You can't have all colors. You can't choose black. Yeah. So I would probably choose my favorite color of all time, green. Green. All shades of green. And since we're in the lovely Pacific Northwest, it's kind of
0: like that no matter yeah. what. No, that's nice. I mean, it does fit. You're going to get a nice natural landscape still yes. in many ways. Uh, would Would you pick a particular shade to be the predominant color, like your default? Predominant color would have to
5: be the color that was on the 1967 Shelby Mustang from the movie Bullet, the English Racing Green.
0: The English Racing Green.
5: Otherwise known as
0: Hunter Green now. Hunter Green. Very nice.
1: This man knows his colors.
0: He knows his colors, I'm we very knew that. Good at we actually didn't know that before he came on, but now we know that. We do. James, what color would the world be for you?
1: Well, Matt, I think the color or the general shading would be that sort of sepia yellow because you know, you know sepia tone like in uh yeah, so filters. Yeah, that old-timey sort of thing. That way I
0: thought it was pronounced sepia. Sepia.
1: I've always heard sepia. Uh,
0: potato potato? Can we discuss this? Yeah,
1: can we Can we not uh, impose American pronunciations while you're in Canada? Wow, sensitive. (laughs) Yeah. He's so sensitive. Um, So that sort of yellow nostalgia, because that way everything would just look like the good old days, whatever those were. So
0: you're just going to go with yellow?
1: How is that worse than green?
0: Well, I just think yellow is like kind of more boring, less vivid. I don't want to be critical of your color choice here, James.
1: No, go ahead. But Say yours.
0: Everything would look, uh I mean, I can understand it. It would have a certain nostalgic value. That's what you're going for, eh? All right, I'll go on with my choice. My choice would be blue. Why blue? Because blue is my favorite color and has been for a long time. And I particularly like light shades of blue. And since there's lots of light in the world, I would get lots of that light blue.
5: Like, how light? Like, eggs- Blue Jay eggshell, blue, those lighter, happier tones? or
0: So I didn't know when I asked this question that I was going to have a color expert on the show. I'm an expert about everything. Eggshell blue sounds nice. Mm. But I don't have to look up what that is.
4: Beauty is within
1: We're introducing a new segment, a game right now, because it is January 2014 and Valentine's Day is coming up and Matt Timms doesn't have a date. So we're going to play a game which is like the dating game. Do you guys know what this is? Not that you're his dates, Caroline and Abigail, but we're going to, I'm going to say something that would be Matt's favorite, like color or whatever. You guys say what you think it is and then Matt will tell you what it what he thinks it is. It doesn't mean that he's right. You guys could be more right than him. But we're going to play a little, a little quick version of the dating game right now. All right. So we have an easy one right at the top because Matt was just talking about this. This is a test of your listening skills. What is Matt's favorite color?
4: Blue.
1: Blue. Blue. <laughs> it is. Nailed it. All right. And let's say for everyone you get right, you guys get a point. Okay. And everyone you get wrong, Matt gets a point. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that's fair, but that's the okay. way it'll it's be scored. It. Yeah. All right. Chocolate bar or candy bar.
4: He doesn't even know. He, he,
3: he does like sweets a lot. You do like sweets uh, a lot. Well, he likes Ritter Sport.
4: I don't know if he likes Ritter Sport or if he just buys them for us because he we like Ritter Sport. But he definitely opens them correctly. Can we, just go, can we just go with Ritter Sport chocolate bars? I think I don't know anything other than that. Okay.
0: Probably peanut M&M's.
4: Oh, I could those all day. Shoot. Wow. Okay. I've never seen you eat those ever. It's a close. It's a close game, guys. Right, 0 0. 1, now, 1, so. right. one one.
1: It's a close game, guys. Right, yeah. One one. All right.
4: There's gotta be more questions
1: than this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, animal.
4: Oh, favorite Easy. animal? Otter. otter. otter.
1: <laughs> hmm. Well. Or
4: dolphin. Fine. Oh, a dolphin otter.
0: wouldn't make the list. Okay, otter, otter, otter is on the list of the it, otter makes the top three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, z- along with lion and arctic fox.
1: Alright, so point, point. point for you guys, 2-1 Okay <clears throat> Color of eyes on a woman Oh my
4: gosh
0: I don't know <laughs> the answer to this question
4: Oh, see, he doesn't even know I don't wow.
0: have.
1: You shouldn't have given that away I don't know oh, is a shoot. valid answer Oh, I could have won oh, yeah. dang it No, you could have tied it up You're losing right now
0: oh, okay, next question <laughs>
1: Alright, so that's um, Yeah, we'll just go to the next question then That's a void This is, this is a, a makeup question then um. Literally about makeup? Yes i just wondering Does he wear any? Yeah, <laughs> no uh, What is Matt's favorite thing to do on a rainy night?
4: Watch an old movie Or just a movie It's not, or, not always Or a classic. good TV show Watch something Yeah Generally in that in those categories A good TV show or an old movie
3: Yeah
0: yeah, they're probably right. That's what I do <laughs> uh, in a Rainy night. It's
1: three one. Okay.
0: They're pulling ahead. And it just come storming back somehow.
1: What is Matt's favorite romantic song?
4: <laughs> my f- my first instinct was something like Nat King Cole. Oh. In that genre, no, maybe like a Justin 40s. Be- it's gonna be a Justin Bieber song. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say something more like '40s, like like Nat King Cole, oh, Ella Fitzgerald, no, somewhere in there.
1: So, ah. what's your final answer?
4: Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with "Love" by I, Nat King Cole because I don't know what it I is. Think Justin Bieber, baby, the baby, the "Baby," maybe one. "Baby," "Baby" by Justin Bieber, one of the two for sure.
0: Um, Nat King Cole's a pretty. That's a pretty solid guess. Thank you. But, but I mean. Based on the season in which we're recording this, I could never go past Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You. Your favorite Such a great song, song
4: is seasonally
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not I centered. At, I
0: could listen to Christmas music all year oh round. Obviously, gosh. you don't know that about me. Boom. <laughs> Point for me.
1: All right. If Matt is going on a first date, what kind of restaurant does he take the woman out for One he at? can't
4: find. I'm going to go ahead and say that he's going to figure out somehow her favorite food and then do a lot of research and planning around finding a really great restaurant that is also one of her favorite foods and make sure that it's a really nice restaurant that she would really like and might even be surprised that he knows that it's her favorite
0: mcdonald's it's oh a, my God. it's a litmus test <laughs> i'm just kidding um i feel like it's hard to go wrong with french or italian
4: I was going
1: to say French. Uh,
0: so I would probably go Italian though.
1: But now Abigail didn't go with just an answer. She went with a pretty in-depth a like, analysis of you. Yeah. Do you think that that's actually a true method or would you just go straight Italian?
0: For a first date, I don't know that I'd do that much work. No. Oh, wow. Unless no. I really like the girl. I feel Unless like I really like the girl. I feel girl. like
1: Abigail was like painting you in a really good light and you just took a hammer to that. Why did you do that? It's because
0: our <laughs> listeners need to know not put me on a pedestal. I know I'm just a regular Joe. And I make the same mistakes that everyone else does. I put my pants on just like everyone else. One leg at a time.
1: Last question, tiebreaker is 3-3. Three, three. This is a nail-biting finale of this game. What would Matt say is his crowning achievement of his career, his time at Regent College?
4: I feel like hashtag atrium is it definitely it up there. It either be... <laughs> I really think hashtag I #Atrium think it, is up there, but either be that or Showtime. Yeah, it's either hashtag #Atrium or the basketball team Showtime. Coaching the basketball team Showtime. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with #Atrium.
3: Okay.
1: All right, Matt. What is your crowning achievement?
0: It's a good question, and one that I'm wrestling with because there are so many incredible options. Oh, there's the talent show. That could, in that some also, ways, be the pinnacle.
1: Also, Matt Tim's Canada Day, Part 1 and 2.
0: Yeah, two Matt Tim's Canada Days. Um, there's Regent Walking Group, which has obviously been stunning this semester. I mean, but in terms of what... Making
1: th- it up that hill on the prayer retreat with Bruce Heimark, of course. <laughs> That's
0: right. They're probably right yeah, in that can. hashtag atrium <laughs> and Showtime Basketball do rank the highest. <laughs> hashtag atrium would probably would probably take the cake.
1: What's the final yeah. score? It is 4-3 four, for Crabagail! Woo! Yay. What do we win? Uh, Matt's going to give you a treat. It's uh, been a great time.
0: Type. Special yeah. thanks to Richard Wu. The thanks fast, to Abigail Harmon. Thanks to Caroline hard Crawford. Hard and thanks to Josh Cunningham for coming on. We're sorry that you witnessed the most epic fight in Hashtag Atrium history. You can find us on the web at #atrium.wordpress.com. Follow us on Twitter at #atrium, And of course... We invite you to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hashtag atrium. And if you have time, head on over, leave an iTunes review where you can subscribe to hashtag atrium. We've enjoyed the show. We hope you have too. We'll see you again real soon.
1: Who enjoyed this show again? I've been humming your song all day. I've been wasting the words away.
4: Lonely Valentine.
3: Come back to me
0: One more time
1: I've been wandering in every room But I can't find a trace of you
5: Lonely
0: Valentine
1: Some of the music provided tonight from Mevio's Music Alley. Check me. it out at music.mevio.com
0: If I'm dead, (laughs) James should be the prime suspect.
1: You heard it here first.